Hey everyone, welcome back to the Odd Church Podcast, episode 8. We've had the chance to catch up with our friend Hannah Rettler, who recently became a Christian and was baptized with a few friends at Sabino Canyon. In this episode, she's going to tell us about what it was like to visit Mission Church as someone who wasn't sure what she believed, but was curious about God. Like we all do with anything new or unfamiliar, Hannah had some preconceived notions about what it would mean to become a Christian and what it would require of her, like an affinity for Donald Trump and mainstream country music. And on a personal note, I am very thankful that neither of those are prerequisites. Like, very thankful. But before I get lured down a rabbit hole, here's episode eight of the Odd Church podcast. All right, friends. Uh... We don't have Nick with us at the moment because he's on daddy-daughter duty, which is super cool. But anyway, yeah, we want to hear from Hannah because Hannah has a unique unique story of coming to our church. So, uh, Hannah, talk about that really quick. Like, just remind us and tell everybody how you showed up at Mission. Sure. Um, I first came into Mission, it was mid-November, Um, I had just moved back to Tucson and I was not a Christian yet and was interested in learning more about it. Um, And one of my friends, Shannon, told me she knew that I was kind of on a journey and thought that I would like mission. And so she told me about the groundwork session um, and the real talk sessions that you guys had on Monday nights. And she was like, I think you might like one of those. And um, I showed up to groundwork and was like, I was headfirst and loved it every second from that moment. So, but at that point, when I walked in in November, um, I was not yet a Christian. I was going through now what I look back on and recognize what I was going through. I was completely beginning the death of self experience. Um, So I was uncomfortable and had lots of questions. Um, Can you know that, that groundwork session. So I was there and, uh, and I've told you this already, but we were like, Nick and I almost canceled that one because like generally, like we weren't always, we, we had this perception that there's a larger group of people that wanted to do that. Um, type of conversation and we were getting smaller groups and we actually kind of liked it. But um, for some reason that last week we were just like, maybe not, you know? And, uh, and then you walked in and we were like, who's that? Right. But yeah. How many, there were, what was it? Five of us. Yep. It was you and Nick and Rochelle and Tabitha. Yeah. And me. Yeah. (laughs) And what, so during that, what, what about that worked? (laughs) (laughs) where you were like, I don't, I don't hate these people. Yeah. Um, What I immediately appreciated was how it was like, no veil, like just having a real conversation. Um, And for context, like I grew up quote unquote Christian, but I never really understood it. Never actually read the Bible. Um, like grew up going to a Lutheran church. I went to a Methodist church, went to a Presbyterian church. They were always bigger, never had one-on-one time with the pastors, never really like never had actual conversations with other congregation members. So it was just, I would go with my family and then go home and we'd never talk about it again. And then maybe I'd go again at Easter and Christmas. Um, 
So this was different in that like, oh, I'm getting to sit here and have a conversation with two of the pastors and like sit and talk about real stuff, about real questions that people struggle with and that you guys were acknowledging that they were tough questions and not like, you shouldn't have doubt. You shouldn't ask those questions. (laughs) So it was like immediately a safe space where I could come and have questions um, and there wasn't a barrier to the leaders. And there also was zero air of, I never got the sense that you guys thought you were better than, than anybody and acknowledged your flaws. And I don't know, it just immediately felt like I can come here with questions and I'm not going to be shamed or pushed out or anybody's going to be afraid of me because I'm asking. Hmm. Yeah, that's, that's super uh, encouraging to hear. And uh, yeah, so you, so yeah, you come to that and then you'd heard about, you, you, you knew you had a connection to the community. I think that's helpful too. Like you mentioned with Shannon. Yep. yep. Yeah. And, um, and then you, you had, you weren't able to, you didn't like jump straight in because at this point you're, you're working usually on like Sunday evenings, we meet on Sunday evenings. And so yep. there's kind of this like time period. It, you got to dip your toes, which had to be pretty nice. Like, yeah. yeah. I, well, I di- I mean, I jumped into the community quickly. <laughs> like Rochelle, mm-hmm. I think Rochelle and I ended up getting coffee like a couple of days later. Um, I'm pretty sure I went to a small group. The first one I went to um, was Sarah Brown. Yeah. It was their small group. Um, so that was really quick. Yeah, and I don't know if it was the the that week or it was quickly after groundwork. Um, but Rochelle and I met a couple of days after that, and I think during that first conversation, or maybe the second time we had hung out, um, she had offered and inc- was like, "Would you ever want to meet up once a week to read the Bible together?" And so that also started quickly after that um, the groundwork session. And then I think it was like a couple of weeks, maybe even a month later, I just switched my work schedule so that I could come on Sunday nights. Um, And then I was able to do, then I switched to Tuesday night small group with the other Brown family. Um, Yeah. So like I did actually dive in in other ways quickly. And then, yeah, I've lost to say about how I felt about Sunday nights too. Well, we, yeah, we've, um, in other spaces, uh, Hannah shared a podcast very much about her, the entire journey to faith, which is really, really great. And, uh, and you know, potentially maybe we can link up to that. And, you know, when we share this, you could go follow up if you wanted to hear that story. Um, and uh, Nick and I elsewhere on a YouTube video talked through a little bit, uh, reflecting on her story and, and thinking about it from our perspective. Um, but one of, the, one of the coolest things that you'll hear in there is, is just Rochelle and how we all, how proud we all are of Rochelle. So Rochelle, you know, well-known, long-time member of our church, uh, who just did the, we just gave her a, an award. We give out weird awards, and we gave her an old trophy of a box of a boxer that said "Punch in the face for Jesus." <laughs> yeah, that's essentially. It was amazing. So, if you know Rochelle, you know, if you know Rochelle, that makes a lot of sense. She's she's very proud of her uh, <laughs> of her brute strength, and she <laughs> is very proud of the fact that she owns a jackhammer and and a yeah. and a welder and built her own rebuilt her own house in the barrio. And, 
Yeah, she punches a lot of things in the face, and uh, and this just happened to be the the last one. What did it was funny, Hannah? You uh, when you helped present it, which if, we've been doing Zoom church, so it's all kind of funny. But you uh, you were thinking it was punch the devil in the I, face. I thought it was something. Like <laughs> <laughs> which was I mean, a pretty much. I should have consulted you beforehand because that would have been great. We could yeah. have did that. Yeah. But um, but Rochelle was basically we've been talking a lot about about discipleship at our church and we've been saying things like look you can disciple people if you know jesus in any way shape or form even if you're a struggling very imperfect you think you don't have all the answers what it discipling is walking toward jesus with other people Mm -hmm. and so you are a discipler because anybody that walks with you by the way, is watching and experiencing how you do that. Um, And you could even be a little more intentional with it because you don't have to offer uh, perfection. You just offer you walking with Jesus. And and Rochelle, that's exactly what she did, right? Yep. Yeah. And And what was, talk to us about that, like how important that was. Yeah. I I have told her, um, because she said, like, I didn't do anything. <laughs> and she's like, I was just along for the ride. And I was like, yeah, that was awesome. But you also, like, you did do something by, if I had a question or if I had something that I was like, this was weird to read. She was like, yeah, that is, that is weird. Or like, that is tough. Or like, I understand how that, like, why that's difficult. And like, would acknowledge too, like, if there was something that was difficult for her to read. So it was, it would have been a huge turnoff and would have been something that probably would have not necessarily pushed me away, but like had me not dive in quite as deep fast. Um, if she was like, Oh no, like just don't worry about that. Or like, don't uh-huh. ask those questions. Like I, it would have been um, hard to go through and read things that were difficult and have somebody just tell me that I shouldn't have those concerns or shouldn't ask those questions. Yeah. So that was huge. And just like, we were just hanging out and we formed a friendship through it because we just were talking about life and we're just weaving in the Bible and the stories in the Bible and relating them to our lives because that's what you do with the Bible. <laughs> that's the beauty of it. But yeah. during this time, which biblical stories were you like reading and processing with Rochelle? We, I think our very first time we sat down, we read Ecclesiastes <laughs> Um, it was like, everything's Nobody meaningless. ever tells anybody to start there, but that's a great place to start. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was, yeah, everything's meaningless and <laughs> we're all going to die. Um, welcome to, the, welcome to being a Christian. <laughs> um, I don't, yeah, I know we started with that, but we also, I mean, we pretty early on, um, had decided that we wanted to use the Bible project app and read through the whole Bible. So like we have been doing that since November. We're yeah. funny enough just started Ecclesiastes this morning. Wow. Um, so like looped, I mean, we start, that was not part of the Bible project when we read that, but that was funny today. I was reading it and I was like, this is where we started. Now with that Bible project app, I haven't done it. Is it going straight? Does it go, is it chronological or does it go straight through? Like it's, it's nearly chronological. Um, yeah, it's, they do, they go through the books in order. So from Genesis through Revelation. Yeah. So, so that, so not quite chronological. That's, that's a trek. Um, that's a, that's quite the trek through the old Testament you're on. Yeah. And I've, and, done, I've done that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They do that. And then they have you read a Psalm 
I think, every day, right? Or something like that. Yes. This honestly has been, this app, I have a life application Bible and just being a part of a church community were like the most important, and then Tim Keller. (laughs) And like the most important ingredients in my journey, like 100%. This has been so helpful having the Bible with notes in it to help me like apply it to life and then listening about it in sermons or I, you guys also, when I went to groundwork, I think Nick handed me the prodigal God by Tim Keller. And that book blew my mind and was another giant part of me being like, whoa, (laughs) because I felt very much connected to the prodigal son who was like, dad, give me all your money. I'm going to go do what I want to do over there. And then was like, all right, I have everything that I want. Then blew it all. And then was sitting in the pigsty like, crap, Uh (laughs) I have to go home. And then dad wasn't angry. Dad was just like open arms. Yeah. So excited to see like that made me understand Hmm. grace um, for the first time. That book to me too. Very first night. So what was the, uh, what was your experience once you finally were able to attend Mission Church? I honestly don't remember details of the very first service. I just remember the things that stuck out to me the most was that it was small, and I loved that. Um, I loved that it felt like I was sitting in a family room, mm-hmm. and I loved that it, I could tell everybody kind of knew each other, and it was not a place where I would walk in and I would just melt into the background and nobody would know I was there. Um, And I had never experienced like a meal. Like Mm. I had never gone to a church where there was some sort of communal meal. And that was honestly one of my very favorite parts of mission was that there was the community meal afterwards where you you were just doing life together. Hopefully we'll be able to do that again. (laughs) Such a bummer. Like that, I mean, the, I think all the churches are sad to not be together, but when you really, you know, there are a couple churches like in Tucson that, you know, we have friendship with who, you know, they, yeah, they eat together. Going to church is like a five, sometimes six hour event. It's like a big yeah. part of the day. You're talking with people, spending time. Yeah. Like it, it has just felt like that's just been, you know, when people go like, I miss going to church. I'm like, I don't even know if you, like, if I said that you wouldn't know what I mean because yeah. 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 But the other thing that I know I'd talked to you about Andy, when we had talked a couple weeks ago, like the other thing that I loved was that there was no smoke and light show. Like <laughs> it was just real. Like I loved the music. I just, I loved that. It just felt like real people and it, I never felt like there was a hierarchy of like, we're better than you because we're on the worship team or we're the pastors. Like it was just, here we are coming together to talk about the Bible and there was no other fluff. And it was just like, let's talk about it. How, how did that come across? I mean, you're, you're you know, the, we've done some intentional things to try to, to make that come across. Yeah. But how how did it actually like what, what were the the signals to you that that was happening? Yeah. That it wasn't a hierarchy and that all that. That's a really good question. I, I, it was like just something I could tell. Um, I think, I mean, just my experiences of growing up going to like bigger churches where there would probably be like 
maybe 100, 200 people, maybe more. And then you would only see the pastor on the way out. He'd be like, thanks for coming. Thanks for coming. Yeah. <laughs> like, shake your hand. Like, have yeah. a blessed day. <laughs> and, I, and it was just, you guys would then come in and talk to it. Like you were talking to people before and after. And it was just, you could, I could tell that there was um, friendship and camaraderie with everybody. Yeah. Um, and I think just visually too, there was, there's something about it being small and that you could just tell everybody knew, like I, you could just kind of pick up on how interactions yeah. were. It's funny. That's see, this kind of stuff is so great to hear because in my, sometimes in my lived experience, the, the fact that somebody is like, kind of like we get into this in-depth conversation right before I stand up to talk. I like, I love it, but there are other times where I'm like, I got, I think I got to get up there. Like, you know, and it's like, and I feel like I'm doing a terrible job of listening because I'm like looking at the time or whatever. Um, but it, it's almost like this unavoidable thing in our church that people know, like you're, we're all going to talk and it's, there's no sense that like somebody's going to get left alone in any way, shape or form. Yeah. It's really, it's really cool to hear that that actually was a good sign. It almost helps me realize I want to just be into that and just yeah. excited about that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's really, that's really good. Yeah. What are the people like in your mind? Like who goes to mission church? Who, who in the world are these people? The other thing that I really liked was that it seemed like a younger crowd which is something that, again, I haven't had, like, I feel like the churches I went to were all significantly older people, which there's a benefit to that too. It was actually really interesting for my situation in particular that I didn't have any or very many Christian friends my age. Yeah. Um, So to see other people who look like me, who look like cool people, like everybody was just like, and then just people dressed casually was also inviting that it was just a very comfortable place to come be yourself. And the fact that there were a lot of people my age was striking for me because I didn't have many people in, in my friend group or just know that there were people in my age group who thought Jesus was cool Yeah, (laughs) because a lot of my world before was people that did not. Yeah. We're, we're in a really interesting time right now where I think the general view of of church and christianity is like donald trump and conservatives and like pat robertson tell the televangelist like angry anti everything people and (laughs) i so sad i was probably in that boat of what my prejudice was against Christians. I was like, I don't want to be, that was a big reason why I didn't want to be a part of it. Cause that was my thought. So yeah. to come in and feel like that wasn't the case was. I just want to acknowledge that John Simon down in the corner is indeed here. And you know, this being a podcast, he's nodding heavily and there might be some audio sense that you can hear of his head nod, but I doubt it. So <laughs> hi, John. I'm wearing all my jangliest jewelry. If people can't hear me, <laughs> their audio equipment. It's funny because when you when you're in a podcast studio as we normally are, there's something about conversation that you know with within a podcast that happens and it's quick and you kind of overlap to keep it moving. And Zoom like kills it. Zoom makes it so weird to pitch in and talk. It's interesting. Anyway, 
Anyway, well, I've, got a, I've got a question in the chamber, which I yeah. want to save for the right time. Nice. <laughs> Locked, so. and loaded. Locked and loaded. Okay. All right. Uh, yeah. Hannah, talk about that. I, I think so many people are going to relate to, I mean, Mike kind of explained how he would say it, but yeah, the perception of like the expectation of what a Christian is, you know. I was probably in the same boat that I was like, if I'm going to be a Christian, that means that I have to love Trump and listen to country music and assist oh, no. and like, I, that country was, music part doesn't bother me for some reason, but you and Mike can totally relate on that one. <laughs> I, yeah, I don't know. That was my prejudice. And, and then I also thought and had the perception that I, I also needed, like you needed to be perfect and you needed to be a good person and you uh, couldn't, you couldn't be broken. And that was another thing that was incredibly cool for me to see was like the very first thing on your website is broken people. Like, and I, both you and like all of you guys have, when you preach have made some comment or like made it clear that like, you know, that you are flawed and like that we all are flawed and we all are broken. And that was really awesome for me to see that because that just made me feel welcome in my brokenness as well. That's cool. I think the biblical idea of being like a leader is to be the chief of the sinners. Mm-hmm. Um. <laughs> yeah, a lot of what you're describing also is is kind of the reason we started this church in the first place, or we started our respective churches and then merged because yeah. we had so much common ground. Mm-hmm. Because you know we we'd experienced that kind of stuff in in our own churches growing up, or in different churches and. For sure, not every church is that way, but we felt like enough needed to change to make sure that these things were very clear in our own leadership, Mm -hmm. that it had to be kind of a clean slate. We had to start kind of from scratch. And we talked recently about this together in in a recorded tour that we did of all the places we've done ministry. There's a reason a lot of people don't, do church plants or don't have a church plant that lasts more than, you know, a year or two. And it's because a lot of times you don't have the resources of the churches above you or someone else that's kind of footing the bill. Um, But in our case, I think we both had such a different view of what we wanted to do that didn't fit perfectly within the system that was there to support church plants that we kind of got the freedom to do what we, what we wanted to do. And not that, and not knowing, that knowing you weren't going to get any money allowed you to do what you really felt like you were supposed to. <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I'm glad you guys did. <laughs> it worked. <laughs> <laughs> and it's so cool to hear that too. I, I think maybe it was within the tour too, Mike, that we talked about how, um, you know, cause there were many points along the way that we were, all not sure this was working, right? There were times where we were like, I don't know, you know, I, or this is, there were times like highs and lows, I guess I would say. Um, but um, it, it's definitely at this point, just kind of mind blowing every once in a while to like walk into a building full of people. And, and you know, we're, we're, we are very small, but still it's like, this is the, this is the thing 
we did want to see this. It's, it's imperfect. It's flawed, but for goodness sakes, that's what we always said it was going to be. So, you know, we're not being disingenuous and, uh, but people are actually like talking to each other, working things out, having hard conversations with each other. Um, but it seems like real interaction and in depth, like Christianity getting hashed out as a family in a way. Yes. I also had the idea that Christians were just like, hi, how are you? Great. Have it like kids are great. Yeah. Like everyone would just come in, be really fake, go home and then cry because their life sucked. And it was not that way. Like I just appreciated, I I do not have any tolerance for fake small talk. And I just really liked that that did not seem to exist. So you had, you had a background in life coaching, right? Is that the right word? And, and yeah. there was a, there were spiritual layers of this. So somebody who you weren't, you weren't coming into this um, in a place where you had no like spiritual vocabulary or anything like that. So from, from coming from that background, like, well, you know, how would you describe, you know, that like our, our church and Christianity and this experience, like to other folks kind of coming from those perspectives? Yeah, I actually, I was looking back in my journal today from like, where, what, what was I thinking? And where was I right before I came to mission? And I can read a little excerpt of where I was at, because I wrote something that I was like, oh, that is, I remember feeling that way. Like I was going through a real like I was experiencing depression for the first time in my life. And I was like, what is happening? Um, And I was like, I think so much of my depression is stemming from starting to read the Bible. (laughs) Um, My understanding is that self-love, intuition, and trusting your feelings, the basis and foundation of how I've been living my life and coaching is wrong and possibly from the devil. (laughs) Self-restraint and selflessness and self-denial appear to be what is Christian and feelings should never direct your life or actions. This has uh, screwed me up. (laughs) Not the word (laughs) I use, but um, I do not yet know if I believe this, but if in fact it's true, it would mean everything I've done and believed is wrong, even satanic. And if I was to be a Christian, I would have to ignore my feelings, keep reading this scary bleep book and tell that tells me all my friends are going to hell, never put myself first, always live in self-denial, happiness is not the point, constantly remind myself I'm a horrible sinner, lose all my friends. Cool, cool, cool. (laughs) (laughs) That is where I was at. Yeah. I was like, what? (laughs) Um, The fact that you're even like considering this in my mind, that you're reading this Bible, like, and and like, you know, is really amazing to me. Right. And I hear to yourself, right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so that is where I was at. And my life and perspective before um, I was a life coach, I was essentially coaching people on following their heart and like, listen, I did so much of my work was like helping people tune into their intuition and all of the things that they've been suppressing their whole life, like listen to that and follow that and actually take action on it, which in the right context and with the right compass when like god is your compass those things can be beautiful and like you can when you're like submitting to the will of god those things can be great but when you are using your own heart and god has nothing to do with it um so that was just something that i was like as i'm reading and and at that point i was i was reading on my own this was before i was coming to church this was before um i had met rochelle like i was 
following this, what I talked about in the podcast, I just kept feeling compelled. Yeah. Um, and even though I was feeling all of these feelings like, cool, 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 my life is falling apart. Um, I did want to keep reading because I felt like, I think that this is what I'm supposed to keep reading and continue to understand. Um, Man, there's, this is one of the things that I often get excited about because it, it kind of meshes with a couple of worlds that I really love between psychology and, and just science and then the science of happiness mm -hmm. and how all of that works. And literally like the best modern studies we have reiterate time and time again that if you're chasing after getting happy you're not going to get it yeah and the the way you actually can find joy and find happiness is both by helping other people and by being grateful for what you already have mm -hmm. and accepting it and, and kind of exercising gratitude for the things you that are already in your life. Um, and so, I mean, we do have a culture that says you deserve to be happy and you deserve to pursue that happiness relentlessly. And if anybody gets in your way of doing that, like they might be toxic and you might need to get rid of them. Yes. Which that's yeah. the, that's the little, that's the little part where it gets really dangerous because now you're treating someone who, bears the image of God as a disposable item, basically. Right? Yep. And, and really, if we're created in the image of and what he does is love us and sacrifice for us. And if what he does, if what he has chosen for himself is to do all of those things, then why would we be fulfilled by something different? Yes. Yeah. That, I'll cancel culture of if somebody's in your life and are not helping you out, get rid of them. Um, that was a big wake up call for me. And I, what I had talked about in the podcast was like, essentially I had reached a moment where I looked around and like, looked like I had everything that I had wanted. And I realized like, why do I feel empty? <laughs> I reached a point of like, I am continually chasing something that's never, I'm never going to find it. Ecclesiastes was like a really pointed yeah. book to start in. Yep, it was. It was perfect. <laughs> you know, it's interesting, Mike, what you're saying about the you know modern modern psychology and um, so, you know these things that are you know, very contemporary that are being said now, and how they then agree back to this you know ancient text, you know, which is essentially saying the same things though. They were, you know, weren't being discovered scientifically. They were being you know, declared by God. Yeah, it was and, um, with wisdom li literature, literally. Yeah, and even the fact that like wisdom existed before it could be like tested and discovered, you know, it, it points to something. It invites this idea that so where's it come from if it predates its own discovery, right? And that, mm -hmm. it's a that's a whole another you know interesting thing, but. Uh, but if the same kind of wisdom has been accessible to, to humanity for all this time, I mean, that, that, that's a powerful reality. It's a powerful truth. And it kind of calls into question, you know, it, it, it means that we're, we need to look back and we need to learn. Um, and we need to hear from a God that could speak to people thousands of years ago. And that's a, that's a really incredible thing. The other thing that modern culture and what my worldview 
was, was that like avoid suffering at all cost. Yeah. Um, suffering is bad. Do everything that you can to avoid suffering and find as much comfort as possible. Um, and that was like kind of what I was coaching people on is like, find, like build your life so that you have everything that you need and like, or whatever, have every, yeah. But I've like, as I was reading, just recognized how suffering is expected and something that I actually heard this in a Rob Bell podcast. Um, I was a huge Rob Bell fan and my clients and like my worldview was like law of attraction and that understand what you want. um, Think about what you want and like, imagine that you can have it or whatever. And if you didn't get it, like it was, you weren't doing it right. Or you didn't believe that you could have it. And I think Rob Bell was kind of talking about that in some way. And he said something like, Jesus got to know. Like Jesus wanted, like, it was like, do I have to go through with this? Yeah. And he got to know. And he was perfect. Yeah. And that was like, that completely blew my mind and made me like stop and think about how selfish am I (laughs) that I think I should have all of these things that I want and that everything should work out in my life and like and he got a no yeah and that was huge and so that with suffering were big well and interestingly there are factions of christianity that pretty much operate that way but they put jesus in there instead of your will bringing it to you you know they say if you'll pray with enough faith yeah or you believe with a mustard a mustard seed of faith that then God will bless you. And if you didn't believe fully, that's why you didn't get your blessing. Which, you know, unfortunately kind of negates the Christian faith because it's back down to like your efforts. Um, you know, like it's just efforts, uh, uh, efforts at having great faith. The temptation that, that is predominant in all the world is just as tempting to Christians, right? Still. Mm-hmm. And it is that temptation to come back into like, self-justification, self-actualization, all the, the things and just kind of couching it in religious terms, which Jesus had to confront when he was here, you know. And uh, why we planted the church is because I think there's, there's a certain like reformer side of all of us who do start new things where we say something has been lost, something has slipped, so, you know, and that, that kind of stuff factors in in many ways. And, and, and will somebody need to come and reform our church? Yeah, probably like tomorrow. Right. Like if they're not already trying to, John's trying to, he's, that's why he's, you know, being so quiet down. He's taking notes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Interestingly, when, when we said like, there's this idea in Christianity that I think became, became a little cliche for a while of brokenness um, where, especially when I was like probably in high school or just getting out of high school, it was like people were starting to lean back into that. Like, oh, yes, I, I am broken. But then there is this, that, uh, what I experienced was there became this almost like cutesy, uh, cliche meaning of broken. Where like, oh, sometimes I think a bad thought about, I mean, thought about somebody and sometimes I'm sad and like, I'm just broken. I'm like, well, what about the rest of the stuff that's really dark that you don't want to tell anybody that you hope nobody ever finds out? That's the stuff that like we should all be telling each other. We're, we're all there. We're all guilty. Of well, and, and on top of that, what about the things you think are good and right that are not that you perpetuate without meaning to for a second? 
Like the whole dark and dirty truth that you're hiding. Yeah, that's got to be dealt with. And then you've got to acknowledge that if you're like human, that you're probably missing some things. Mm-hmm. And if you've like ever read a history book or ever had a relationship where you thought somebody just didn't see how wrong they really are. Well, you're in the same boat. (laughs) All right. I'm going to jump in with my question now because I actually have to leave in a few minutes to get ready for my next uh, discussion thing. Well, John, you played it real well. You know, playing the game. (laughs) play hate the game my friend um hannah i I was able to hear about your story when we went on our hike that was like a super super like special day uh definitely for you but being a part of that was also really really awesome so um yeah that was obviously like i know a lot of like the ins and outs of your story but yeah i'm just curious like what is like very sweet about jesus to you right now like what are you as like a relatively new believer just like really enjoying that we could hear about yeah Ooh, that's a good question so good i i have on i've actually been struggling with this a little bit in that i feel almost a guilt about how peaceful i feel in this weird time Hmm. where i'm like i feel like i have feeling and this deep understanding um of my new relationship and like literally when I look back at where I was a year ago and everything that happened and how so much of what I went through matches up with the Bible and like how I truly feel like God was seeking me and like saved me. I right now I'm in this place where I feel so incredibly grateful for that because it is giving me a completely new lens on life. And so I'm looking through this time of complete like panic and uncertainty. And I'm not like, it's not like I'm sitting here like, this is great. I love the pandemic. (laughs) I'm not disillusioned, but Mm. I also feel like I have a hope that I did not have before. Mm. um, That I have a hard, like the guilt feeling I've been having is that I feel like I want to tell it to the world, but I, and this is funny because I don't, I know I don't need to know all the words or like do all the right things to, I can't save people, but the sweetness has been the like hope that I feel in this very scary, uncertain time that I just have this trust that it's all going to work out for what is meant to be happening. Hmm. And I just feel like I keep noticing the sweet silver linings of things that have been happening like out of the chaos, like just how it's been bringing me closer to my family. And just, I feel like I have moments of noticing things that I hadn't noticed before. I, I used to, I would take walks with my dad in the dark, but like if I walked somewhere alone as a kid in the dark, I was looking, everything was like every noise, every, right. Everything was like, what's that? What's going on? What's, but when I would walk somewhere at night with my dad, I just, I wasn't worried about it. And I was overestimating my dad, (laughs) like with God, with what we see, you know, what, how God, you know, has offered himself to us. It's like, we're underestimating him. If anything, Mm -hmm. it's, that's what I'm hearing with when you're saying this, like, maybe it's like, now you're walking through life with like a powerful loving father. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think that's what we're all, I mean, that's what we're looking for and everything else. 
Mm-hmm. So we're looking for in security and a career in fulfillment mm-hmm. in what we're doing in life. It's like, if we, we feel like if we can get those things, we're going to feel safe. Or we're going to feel happy, but then ultimately kind of like you experienced, you get that. And then it's just not enough. Yeah. Or something is still missing. Yep. Yeah, I was definitely in the self-reliance boat before. And now there's just a very, it's like a very sweet gratitude of, if I thought I was in control of everything, and if I thought I had to fix all the problems that were happening, I would be exhausted and terrified and would never feel safe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so there is still pain and suffering and you can still get hurt and you can't be. (laughs) I saw a really great meme early on in coronavirus where Jesus was knocking on someone's door and he was like, Karen, you still have to wash your hands. (laughs) I'm taking care of you, but like, you still got to wash your hands. Um, Yeah. (laughs) I'll see if I can find it and send it to you guys. But yeah, I just have this comfort that I didn't have before. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, for the sake of uh, this time, that was a pretty uh, was a pretty healthy timeline for Odd Church podcast. And frankly, I don't want to do this without you, John. I don't want to. I don't want to go on without you. I don't know what that, you're telling me right that now. That could be a poem or a song or something. I think. I don't know what you're insinuating. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, guys. Thanks for uh, thanks for hanging out, Hannah. Thanks for you know the several times we've uh, asked you for for more input. Thank you for your time and your it's refreshing to our souls to hear this like peace that you're experiencing. We've, we've tasted it. We some, sometimes we forget it and uh, but it's, it's present there for us. And so thanks for that reminder. Yeah. And seriously, we're just so uh, grateful to have you in our, in our church. I know you're like, you're not in Tucson right now, but it kind of doesn't feel like it changed anything yeah. the way it is right now. So uh we're just glad to have you in our community and thanks for like being so open with your, your story and sharing it with all of us. Thanks. Thanks for having me. I could talk about it all day, every day. So I appreciate you guys having me on and being a huge part of my journey. Thanks for joining us. And if you're listening to this as someone who's curious about God, or if you're one of the many of us who have complicated histories with faith, Let me make it abundantly clear. You are welcome here. If you'd like to hear more about Hannah's personal journey toward Christ, she's recorded a podcast called Witness by Hannah Rettler, and we've included a link in the show notes where you can find that episode on your preferred streaming platform. Now, while our church is not currently meeting in person due to a little worldwide pandemic, We are currently meeting via Zoom on Sunday nights as a church and then breaking up into smaller Zoom groups to discuss and catch up with each other. And you're welcome to either or both. If you'd like to get connected, email admin at missionchurchtucson.com. And as always, you can find out more information about us at missionchurchtucson.com and on Instagram at mission underscore Tucson. Thanks for tuning in and we'll see you next time.